Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to the Pathway Church Podcast. We are so glad you're with us. We're a Bible-based church from Ontario, Canada, and together we're on a mission to reach people far from Christ and see them become devoted followers of Him. In today's episode, Pastor Nathan brings us part two of his sermon series, Winning the War in Your Mind. The thoughts we think impact every area of our lives. That's why we must learn to examine every thought in our mind and ensure that they are in alignment with what God has said. This is a key part of learning to win the war in our minds. With that, let's turn it over to Pastor Nate with part two of the message series, Winning the War in Your Mind, entitled Breaking Free. Great to see you. Today we're in, uh, we're in week two of a four-week message series uh, by Craig Rochelle, and it's based on his book called Winning the War in Your Mind. And we've been, uh, if you were with us last week online, let me move this. If you were with us last week online and you heard Craig open up the series, and I'm excited today to continue uh, to continue this uh, message. And what he talked about last week is the power of the thoughts that roll through our minds. And I love this statement that he said, it's worth, it's worth starting here, that your life is always moving. Your life is always moving in the... We'll clear the screen and get that uh, so you can see it. There it is. Your life is always moving in the direction of your what? Your strongest thoughts. So what we're talking about over these four weeks as we kick off the new year is the thoughts that go through our mind. And uh, you may be wondering what all these boxes are for. Let me tell you. Uh, today what I want us to do is I want us to consider uh, the lies. Okay, This is a wall of lies. Okay, And the lies that we believe and the lies that we think actually trap us. They keep us from the freedom that Christ died to give us. They actually stop us from becoming who God has called us to be. They stop us from doing the things that God has called us to do. And all of us have lies that we believe. And those lies become what Paul calls a stronghold. We're going to talk about that today. Now, I wonder, I don't know how many of you have ever heard the parable of the elephant and the rope. Got a little picture of an elephant and a rope here. How many of you have ever heard of this? Okay, so there's, uh, there's this story that goes like, like this. There's a man walking along and he sees this giant, mature adult elephant, right? It's powerful, legs like tree trunks, tied up with a little tiny rope. And he's wondering why this elephant doesn't just break the rope and walk away. And so he inquires of the elephant trainer. He says, how is it possible that such a small rope could hold such a large elephant? Surely he can break it. The trainer said, you need to understand something. When that elephant was just a little, little tiny youngster, we tied it up with that rope. And it pulled against it, and it railed against it, and it could not break free. And eventually that elephant began to believe that the rope had the power to hold him. And so the trainer said, look, that rope is not holding the elephant anymore. It's the elephant's belief that the rope is holding the elephant that keeps it from freedom. And I'm here to tell you today that there are lies that you and I believe that are in our brains, that we've been told by our parents, by our culture, by our experiences, our past failures. And those lies actually set themselves up like a wall, like a stronghold in our mind, and that actually keep us from freedom. We're actually free in Christ to do so many of the things that we never thought possible, but we're bound by our belief in a lie. So today we're going to learn how to break strongholds. We're going to learn how to d- dismantle the lies that we have believed. So it's 2023. My guess is that most of you here today and watching online that at some point in the last few weeks you've thought about the new year and like Jess said, maybe you don't have a, a resolution for the year, but you typically, if I were to ask you, you would say something like, yeah, I hope this year is, is better than the last. I, I would like this year to have healthier relationships and, and a healthier body and all that kind of stuff, right? So you have these goals like, man, this year I'd like to be a more loving, more generous person. You have aspirations for a good year. And 
Here's the key to all of those things. The thing that has to change before your actions and behaviors and results change is your thinking. Everybody point at your head. Just come. Let's do this. All right. This, this, is where, this is where the issue is. So your thoughts and beliefs impact. Let's throw it up here. Your thoughts and beliefs impact a couple of things. First of all, did you know that what you think in your brain actually affects your relationships? Is that true? Yeah, like if you think everyone's out to get you, if you think your parents are the bad guys, it's going to impact the way you relate to them and, and what you say and do. Did you know that your thoughts and beliefs impact your physical health? Now, I've said this a lot, so I'm not a scientist. I don't know a lot about biology, but I've read study after study. I've read people, uh, authors that say, listen, when you think negative thoughts... When you constantly are filled with bitterness and rage, and, and not just for a moment, but for weeks and months and years, that those, those unhealthy thoughts and those negative thoughts actually begin to impact your health. You are much higher risk for all kinds of disease. You know this, right? So the, this, is why, this is why what we're talking about matters. Getting our thoughts straight. Getting these lies up. Did you know that your mental health, so we're talking about what you feel, is impacted by what you think? If I asked you today to think about um, starving children for the next 30 minutes, everyone would get sad. Hopefully, because you have a heart. <laughs> and you're like, that's so sad. You just think about it, and the more you think about it, the more your emotions would respond. On, on the other hand, if I asked you to think about your favorite memory from 2022, that moment that was just like the perfect moment, and the more you thought about it, the more gratitude and joy would flood your heart. Why? Because what we focus our thoughts on actually affects not only our physical health, not only our relationships, but it affects our, our feelings and our mental health and our emotions. Now, the last thing is that our thoughts and beliefs actually impact our behavior, the things that we say and do, the choices that we make. All of these things are impacted by our thoughts and our um, beliefs. Are you guys with me today? So, our key text, we're going to 2 Corinthians, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3 to 5. We're going to spend some time here today. Uh, here's what Paul writes to the Corinthians. He says, for though we live in the world, okay, we live in the physical world, we all have to deal with the same stuff, right? We've got to eat, we've got to help, we've got to clean up, we've got to do all stuff. So we live in the physical world. But he says, we do not wage war as the world does. I'm sure everyone's aware, maybe you've forgotten, there's still a war going on in Ukraine. And there are wars in other places in the world that, that things are happening and there's conflicts. And so we often think of war in those terms, right? Of like tanks and, and, and nations invading other nations or those types of things. But, but what Paul is actually going to say is that each of us, whether we know it or not, are involved in a war. There is a war going on. And he says, we don't wage war as the world does. He says, but the weapons that we fight with are not the weapons of the world. So we're not fighting with guns and knives and bow and arrows. He says, we're fighting a war, but it's a different kind of war. And he's going to talk about what that is. He says, on the contrary, they, the weapons of our warfare, are, have divine power to demolish strongholds. Now, when we in the modern world hear a word like stronghold, unless you've been in church, you're kind of like, ah, what? I don't get it. Because we don't see a lot of strongholds anymore. So i got a picture here of what might have come to mind of someone in centuries past. When they heard the word stronghold, they would have thought of a, a wall, a castle, a fortress, a structure, okay, that would keep something out and keep something in. So you have something like this would come to mind when Paul says, we're going to talk about destroying strongholds. There are, there are walls, and walls go up to keep things out and to keep things in. And they would have thought of something like this. Now, of course... What Paul's talking about and what we're going to see is that the walls that we need to destroy are lies and they're things that are not true and they actually hold us uh, back from becoming all that God has called us to become and all that God has called us to do. He, he continues to say this. Let's, let's continue in the text. 
Now that we have the setting. He says, we destroy arguments. That's logic. That's conversation. We destroy arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Here's the big idea. Your mind is the battlefield. I got an image of a battlefield back here. You probably can't see it, but your mind is the battlefield. It's the place. Um, when, I was, uh, when I was a kid, I watched cartoons. And whenever the main character in the cartoon would have this moment of decision, some of you remember this, like two little angels would pop up, right? They'd pop up. There'd be like a little white one on one shoulder and a little red devilish guy with a pointy tail and the pitchfork on the other. Am I the only one who's seen this? And I remember as a kid seeing this, and I'm like, that's what happens in my brain. Right? And so, the, the, of course, the little white angel will be like, do the right thing. Be nice, Tommy. And then the other little one's like, you know you want to do it. And he's poking him. And he's, you know, he's trying to get him to do the thing he shouldn't do. And so this is what happens. And it's, it's, a, it's a metaphor. It's an illustration of what goes on right here inside our mind. And isn't this what happens? I mean, think about a parent and a child having an argument. What's happening in the kid's mind? The kid's going, I know I'm wrong. I know they're my parents. I know I should honor them. But this is really getting under their skin. And there's this war going on in their mind. And likewise, the parent is sitting there like arguing and voices raising. And there's this, this little red angel. It's a metaphor. You know, it's like, come on. It's like, you're the parent. You should. And, and then the other little angel's going, yeah, but even if you're right, the way you're approaching this is not right. Be humble. Pull back. And both sides, there's this war going on. Like everything we do, every decision we make, how we're going to spend our money, how we're going to treat people at school, what we're going to do at work. Do I cut the corner or not? There's this war raging on the inside. The mind is the battlefield. And by the way, most of life's battles are won or lost in the mind. That's where they're won or lost. When I was a kid, I heard lots about spiritual warfare. We got, we'll throw that up there. Uh, I, I heard lots about spiritual warfare. Maybe for some of you, when you hear the word spiritual warfare, if you grew up in church, you picture something like this. Um, there's an image, it's a painting on the back of the screen that is a bunch of angels and demons in this celestial battle. I've darkened the screen because a lot of them don't have clothes on, um, so I thought that might be wise um, to do that. But there's this painting of this celestial battle, and, and for some of us, we think of you know what the book of Revelation talks about, about Michael and the archangels and the beast, and they're all fighting in the heavens, and we think that's spiritual warfare. But I realized a long time ago that that's not how we experience spiritual warfare. Even though angels and demons, all that stuff is real, we don't experience spiritual warfare. Most of what we call spiritual warfare happens right here. The battlefield is right in between our ears. It happens in our thoughts. And uh, here's the thing you need to know. Like Satan, if he wants to destroy your life, if he wants to... See, here's the thing about Satan. He has no power over you if you're in Christ. None. He cannot keep you from God because nothing can separate us from the love of God. So he has no power to do that, but if he can get you to believe a lie, he'll throw a dart at you, which is a lie. And if he gets you to believe the lie, and the lie is, oh, God doesn't love me, you'll walk away from God. And so he, that's why he's called, that's why he's called, by the way, the father of lies. Satan isn't going to, he can, he's not sending a demon into your house to destroy your marriage. Because he doesn't have to do that. All he has to do is get you to believe a lie. One person in the marriage just says, you know what? I deserve this. It's, it's, it's for me. I, and you just act in selfishness and disregard for your spouse. And then the other, the other person in the marriage goes, yeah, well, you know. And they hold on to bitterness and resentment. And those seeds just start to grow and start to divide and destroys the marriage. Like you don't, you, he doesn't have to do anything except sow seeds of lies and doubts. When, G, when Satan came to Jesus in the wilderness, what did he do? He tempted him. 
Right? So, oh, you're hungry. You should use your power for yourself and make bread out of these stones. And Jesus is like, no. God will provide everything I need. He says, hey, you could take power. I'll give it. No. He came with lies. He came with temptations. And what did Jesus do? He stood on the word of God to defend against the lies and the temptations of Satan. It's like the elephant and the rope. The elephant and the rope, that that little rope just holds the elephant in bondage, but it's not actually the rope, it's the belief in the lie that holds the elephant in place. Let's go back to our text. It says this, For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to, let's say it together, demolish strongholds, to tear down the lies, to tear down... He continues, and just so you know, I'm not making this up about this being a battle in the mind. Because you're like, Paul hasn't said anything about it. Here's what he continues to say. He says, we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought. Another way to say this, we arrest. We stop every thought. Did you know that not every thought that you think is true? Did you know that? (laughs) It's not, because how do you know that? Well, your thoughts keep changing. How many of you thought something five years ago and now you think totally different? That's because not every thought you think is true. How, how many of you know that not every feeling you feel is true? There, there were times in my life where I felt really, oh man, I did not like a person. I was like, man, they're just a jerk. And, uh, and I felt that so real. I was like, I know I'm right. And then over time I got to know the person. And all of a sudden, it's like, they're my favorite person. And I love that person. It's like, how could your feelings go so radically from one side to the other? Because what you feel isn't always true. Now, what's terrifying about this is we live in a culture today. We live in a culture that tells us that what you think is, is right. That what you think is true is true. Which is crazy because if all of us think something different, how can it all be true? Like, logically, it makes no sense, but it feels good. Okay. What you think is true. And we live in a culture that says whatever you feel is right is right. Whatever you feel is true is true. And do you know what the problem with that is? It doesn't work. Anybody who tries to build their life on a foundation of what I think and feel, because guess what? What you think and feel is going to change tomorrow and the next day. So you're actually building your life on a foundation of shifting sand. It, It can't hold you up. It doesn't make sense. And it's constantly shifting underneath you and your whole life comes tumbling down. It's no wonder so many people struggle with anxiety. It's no wonder so many people are living in fear because they're building their life on stuff that, that isn't, isn't real. It can't hold them. That's why. That's why. Paul says, listen. Go to the next passage. Paul says, and we take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. He's like, here's what we're going to do. We're examine every thought that comes into our mind. We're going to examine every feeling we feel. And we're going to hold that up and see if it aligns with what Christ has said. See if it aligns with the Word of God. That's how we're going to know if the thought is right or wrong. Um, on December 23rd, um, we had our Christmas Eve Eve service at Selwyn. The weather was terrible. Some of you made it out. I think all the people with four-wheel drive and trucks were like, yes, we're going to Christmas. All right, and so after the service, we, we kind of cleaned up the building, and my family and I were driving down the road, and um, as, as we're heading uh, down, uh, I think it was Water Street, we're heading south, down by the zoo, they get you on that long stretch, I see these, these police lights going. Maybe some of you ran into this. It was, a, it was a ride check. 
And so the police officer pulls us over, and as I rolled down my window and he kind of leaned in to ask what was going on, I remembered when I was a teenager, this one time we were driving on a night like that, and the police pulled our car over, and uh, the police officer opened up the window and said, hello, sir, and he, he asked my dad a question. And my dad turned and just went, <sighs> right in his face. And the police officer jumped back. He was not impressed. My mom was mortified. Me and my brother's in the back just like, oh, dad. And the cop just, he's like, just go, just go. And so we start driving away, and my dad says, well, he wanted to smell my breath, I could tell, so I thought I'd help him out. Like, oh. So you know why they do a ride check, right? You know why the police arrest or stop you on the road? They stop you to screen you to make sure you're not drinking and driving, right? What would happen if we set up a little ride check in our mind for every thought? And when that thought comes through, that we would actually stop the thought and go, where are you coming from? Where are you going? Are you true? Do you line up with what God has said? And throw it out if it's no good. Because otherwise, we just allow all this traffic to go through our brain, which we've already said affects every area of our life. So we need to ride check every thought and take it captive and make it Obedient to Christ. Are you guys with me? Paul's telling us how we need to do this. This is something we do every day, every month, every year. We continually do this. Thoughts come into our mind all the time. And listen, not every thought that comes into your mind is yours, by the way. Some of the thoughts that come into your mind came from your parents and your grandparents and your aunt and a teacher. Some of them from Satan himself. Some of them from the Scripture. So you have to screen them. You have to go, where is this coming from? Where is this going? Is this... Is this true? Paul says we got to take every thought and make it obedient to Christ. So, here's the good news. The good news is that we can change our thinking. The good news is that we can stop thoughts that don't belong, that we can screen them, that we can actually, well, Paul's going to say in Romans 12 too, he's going to say that we can actually be transformed. He says, do not be conformed to this world, but be, what's that say? Now, in the Greek language, this is where they use the word uh, transformed in English, but in the Greek language, the word is metamorpho. And that sounds familiar, right? Because in grade school, we learned about something called metamorphosis. And I remember hearing about metamorphosis, and you get this little caterpillar, this gross-looking little thing, and it spins a web and goes into this cocoon, and then after this period of time, emerges as a butterfly. And you're like, what just happened? It went from one thing, and it was transformed, metamorphosized into something entirely different. You with me? Paul's saying, listen, you can be radically transformed. Somebody might say to me, uh, you know, Nathan, I can't, I can't change. That's just who I am. I struggle with anger, sure, but my dad struggled with anger. My mom, or my grandfather struggled with anger. My great-grandfather was an axe murderer. It runs in my DNA. You know, there's nothing I can do. I'm an Enneagram 8. I'm a red personality. I that's just who I am. Right? You can say, well, my, my mother struggled with fear, and all her sisters struggled with fear. So it's basically like, I, there's no hope, right? Alcoholism runs in my family. And maybe, maybe certain, certain weaknesses do, you know, affect us genetically, but... But there is so much that we can do about it. Because we can be transformed. We can have our minds renewed. We can, uh, we can absolutely make changes in this area. So he continues, says, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of 
your mind. Isn't that good? That by transforming our thinking. Now, when I, when I read a passage like this, I'm reminded of um, something that I've heard a lot about in the last 10 years. How many of you have ever heard of something called neuroplasticity? Okay, a bunch of you. Yeah. I'm told that up to about 40 years ago, most scientists and biologists believed that once a person hit like physical adulthood, like at, at puberty, the, the physical brain of, of a human would stop developing. And so, of course, you could learn new things. It was like an input, a storage device, but that your brain was kind of like what it was. In the last 40 years, new research continues to emerge, thanks to MRIs and other studies, uh, tools and things like that, that prove that your brain, your mind, actually has the ability to change and transform. This is, I'm told, what the inside of your brain looks like. I've never seen one myself. Um, but in your brain, there's all these, these, these transmitters and connectors. And what's so cool about it is that your brain is constantly adapting chemically and structurally. So what's so interesting is that people who do certain jobs that use a certain portion of their brain more than other people, that part of their brain actually changes, morphs, and grows. And they can actually see those changes with an MRI. It's crazy. So that your, your mind can actually be, in many respects, almost rewired. Now, the best example I have of this is when I was a teenager... Uh, we lived on a farm, like in a farmhouse, and behind us there was all this forested property, and we had horses, and so my brother and I, we wanted to be able to ride our horses through the forest. And so we got saws, and we got axes, and we went in, and we started cutting trails. So we cut down branches, we cut out the deadfall, we clear everything away, nice and high, so you could ride the horses through the woods. It took a lot of work to cut trails through there. But the more we, the more we opened up the trails, the more we rode horses on them, the more those trails became roadways through the forest, you know? And what's crazy is we went back about 15 years ago, just we're in the area and we walked through the property with, with permission, all right? And I remember walking through and thinking, where are our trails? They had grown, they had grown right back, the branches and trees and everything had kind of grown right back in. And, and so this is true of your brain, that the more you think a thought, the easier it is to think again. That when you think a thought, your brain fires a neural pathway through your brain and if you keep thinking it, that, that pathway gets thicker and stronger and easier to traverse. Did you know this? And so when every time you remember that thing that somebody did to you and you get angry about it, and you keep going back to that thought and back to that thought, and back, you end up with a highway of anger that you could snap into without any trouble at all. So the more you think a thought, the easier it is to think again. This works positively and negatively. But then also, the less you think a thought, the harder it is to think again. This is the good news. Is that if you forgive somebody and you stop going down that, that, that trail of anger and resentment, that eventually it will be harder and harder to even think it. That, that pathway will begin to grow over. You guys with me? This is some good news, right? So Paul is saying that we can be transformed by the renewing of our mind. Science actually backs this up, which is pretty cool. He continues. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of of your mind. I've, I've highlighted the word renewal. Because again, in the Greek language, this word can actually mean, uh, one of the definitions of it is renovate. And that jumped out at me when I was studying it because my wife and I are planning, <clears throat> planning to renovate a bathroom in our house. It's a bathroom that needs updating, needs some work, it's a little bit of water damage. And as I was thinking about this renovation, I was thinking there's really two primary stages to a renovation. The first one, you got to remove everything that shouldn't be there, Right? And I know the moment I rip out that tub and that tile, 
There's going to be some rot in the drywall. That's going to have to come off. There's probably going to be some damage to the floor. That's going to have to come out. The toilet's got to come out. The vanity, the like everything. And so the first thing you do when you're renovating something is you remove anything that shouldn't be there. And the second thing you do is you have to replace it with something new. That's why he goes on to say this. He says that by testing, you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Paul's like, I want you to renew, transform your mind and thinking. And here's what you're going to do. You're going to remove, you're going to arrest thoughts that shouldn't be there, the lies. And then you're going to put something else in. So when we're doing a renovation, we ask ourselves, what needs to be removed? And what needs to be installed? Now before... Uh, we break down some of these strongholds and walk through them together. Uh, let me just share one last thing. It's really important that once you remove the lies, so we're going to talk about some of these, these lies that we're to remove and arrest. What you have to do afterwards is put the truth of God's word back in. We have to put it back in. Renovations are a process. Renovations are a process. Go to the next one, yeah. Renovations are a process, and so is training your mind. Throughout the scriptures, we are told, we are told to meditate and think on the word of God. Paul says this to the Philippians, Philippians 4 verse 8. He says, finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, and whatever things are of a good report. If there is any virtue, if there is anything praiseworthy, what's that say? Meditate on these things. Now, I know... If you're like me, I grew up in church and they're like, we don't meditate, we're Christians. Like, wait a second. The Bible says we're to meditate all the time. Now we think of Eastern meditation where you empty your mind, you know? Oh, just empty. Biblical Christian meditation is not emptying your mind. It's filling it with the truth. It's filling it with the word of God. Which is, which is why the psalmist says this in Psalm 119, verse 5. He says, I will meditate on your precepts, your words, your laws, and fix my eyes on your ways. We are told repeatedly that we are to meditate, to focus on, to fill our minds and hearts with the word of God. It's the weapon that we're given. It's the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God. So, a couple questions to kind of close us out. And we're going we're gonna to look at these boxes. What lie is holding you hostage? What lie? And then secondly, we're going to ask the question, what biblical truth demolishes that stronghold? i got some boxes here. And I thought this would be a fun way to end the message. Um, to really just kind of walk through some of these. Because I don't know, I don't even know what this box says. Let's take a look. I'm... Alone. I don't know how many people here today feel like you're alone. I don't know how many of you believe this lie that nobody cares. But I know a lot of people believe this. And when this thought comes into your mind, you have to arrest it. And we want to take it. I got my Bible here and we're going to compare it with what God has to say. Here's what God says. Deuteronomy 31 verse 6. Be strong. And courageous. Do not fear or be in dread of them. For the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you or forsake you. Now which of those things are you going to believe? If you choose to believe that God is with you. Then whenever that thought comes into your mind. I'm alone. i got to be gentle. We have two services. So I'm going to try and set that over there. You arrest that thought. And you send it back. Every single time got one here. I've got nothing to give. It it blows my mind how many people 
live their lives believing this lie that they have nothing to contribute. I'm worthless. I don't, nobody, I have nothing to give. I have nothing to contribute. I don't, I'm not like that person. I'm not rich. I don't have all these talents. I'm not a great singer. I'm not beautiful. We believe these lies that you have nothing to give, that you are not valuable. And it's just not true. 1 Peter 4, verse 10 says, As each has received a gift. Paul, Peter says, Everyone has received something from God. You have something. He says, As good stewards, he says, Use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Peter says, God has given you something. It's your job to use it to serve others. So I'm just not going to believe that anymore. That's really fun. It's very satisfying. I'll tell you. Let's take a look at another one. There's no hope for me. <laughs> These are thoughts of hopelessness. And I'll tell you, when, uh, when things don't go the way you expect them to go, when you've been suffering for a long time, this one just comes sneaking in, right? If you've been sick for months or years, you begin to feel like there's no hope. Man, if you've been struggling with addiction, if there's issues in your family, in your marriage, you just want to give up because you feel like there, there is no hope, there's no purpose, there's no meaning left. And whenever this thought comes into my mind, I'm reminded of what God said to his people in Jeremiah 29, 11. He says, for I know the plans that I have for you. God's like, yeah. You might have no hope, but I got plans for you. Plans for welfare, not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. See, when these thoughts come into our minds, we have to arrest them. We have to stop and go, where did this thing come from? And where is it going? It's going out the door. Next. All right, take a sec. This one says, it all depends on me. Uh, out of all these boxes, this is the one I struggle with most, to be honest with you. Try not to cry. Thanks, Jace, for starting that off. Uh, it all depends on me. Of all these, this is the one that I struggle with because I'm an achiever and I pride myself on working hard. And it's so easy for me to believe that the health of this church, that the condition of my children, my marriage, finances, that everything around me in my life depends on me and what I produce and my success and whether I make it or fail. And this one just sneaks up on you. It's like, oh man, it's it's about me. I gotta achieve, I gotta, I gotta pull it off. Psalm 28, 7 says this. The Lord is my strength and my shield. In him my heart trusts. In him my heart trusts. Not in my achievement, not in how hard I work, not how much money I have, not in the condition of my marriage or my kids and my business, but in him my heart trusts and I am helped. My heart exalts. And with my song, I give thanks to him. That's the truth of God's word. And kick that lie out of here. That one's staying close because I'm sure it's going to reemerge within 24 hours. Some of you believe this lie. God can't love me. The problem with this, as you'll notice with a lot of these lies, is they're all focused on me, I. Not on God. Not on what he says, but on what we feel and think. That's the problem with what we feel and think. It's self-centered. God can't love me. I'm not lovable. I'm not valuable. I'm not wanted. But the truth is, God says that you are chosen and you are loved. And you are His. And by the way, it has nothing to do with anything intrinsic qualities or talents or ability about you. It has all to do with Him. 
First John 3, 1 says, See what kind of love the Father has given to us that we should be called children of God, and so we are. His love for us isn't based on our performance. It's not based on what we've done in our past. It's not based on our gifts or skills. It's based on His love for us. So when we think that thought, God can't love me, we send it around. Take a few more. I don't know how we're doing for time, but I'm going to try to get through them all here. I'll never defeat. That's a blank. Fill in the blank. I'll never defeat. It's so easy to believe this lie. I'll never defeat my addiction. I'll never defeat debt. I'll never defeat my past. I'll never defeat lust. I'll never defeat sickness, cancer, whatever your thing is. It's so easy to lose hope and believe that you'll never have victory. But the truth of the matter is, we're not fight alone. It's not just our battle. He fights with us and for us. Romans 8.37 says, In all these things we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. So take that thought, arrest it, send it rolling. A couple more. I have to be perfect. There are some of you, you missed the whole sermon because that I purposely re- misspelled that word. <laughs> That would be a sign that you have a stronghold. There's a problem, okay? This, this actual, um, last night I had one empty box and I asked a couple of my kids and one of their friends that was over, I'm like, what lie do I need to add? I need one more. And they said, Dad, how about this one? I have to be perfect. I have to measure up. My grades have to be this. I have, my friends have to like me. I have to... Is that not something that we feel? It, it's true. And I love what Romans 5, 8 says. It's one of my favorite scriptures in all the Bible. It says this, For God shows or demonstrates His love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. (laughs) It's a reminder that it's not about our perfection. It's about His perfection. We're right with God, not because we're right, but because Christ is our righteousness. And and then we can set perfection aside. This is one I struggle with a little bit too, so it's going to stay just a bit closer. Last one. My past defines me. I don't know what your story is. I don't know what you've done, where you've been. But I'll tell you this. Satan can't stop you, but if he can get you to believe this lie, that your past defines you, he can stop you from becoming all that God has called you to be. From loving the way God has called you to love. From ministering and using your gift. Because you're so focused on the past that you don't see the future that God has for you. 2 Corinthians 5.17 Paul writes this, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a a new creation. Transformed. Metamorphosis. Butterfly. You get the picture. Totally changed and new. Do you believe that? Do you believe that you can be a different person because of the work of Christ and the Holy Spirit inside of you? Because if you believe that, then this lie has to go. Your past needs to be exactly that. Your past. And so, I'm throwing these boxes around. We did all that in like 10, 12 minutes, right? But the truth of the matter is you and I are going to spend the rest of our lives arresting our thoughts. And I did keep these two up here on purpose because these are ones that keep sneaking back. Because here's the thing, in a moment of weakness, I forget about God's faithfulness and that He's dependable and I start to rely on me. And then I start leaning on my perfection. They all often linked and, and it starts to reemerge in my life. Has anybody else ever experienced this? <laughs> It's easy to go back to an old pattern. We're going to talk about that next week. So today, I want to remind you of of these two things. That we're called to 
take captive every thought, to arrest, to ride check, to screen our thinking, our feeling, and to hold it up and compare it with what God has said. And you're going to do this today. You're going to do this on Monday. You do this on Tuesday. You can do it next week. And if you continue to do that, you will literally tear down the walls of lies and the strongholds that are limiting you from the freedom that Christ died to give you, from living the life that God has for you. Is this making sense to anybody? All right, let's pray together and we'll close this out. Father, I admit, Lord, it's so easy, so easy to just accept every thought and every feeling as true. Lord, I pray that as we go from this place, we would go committed to to removing and screening those thoughts that, that are not true. Lord, that we would break free of the ropes and the chains and the strongholds and the lies that have held us down for so long. We would walk in freedom. And I pray this over every single person in this room, everyone online listening today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hey, that's it from us. Thank you so much for joining. Please stay connected with us. Be sure to like and subscribe to our YouTube channel. That's Pathway Church PTBO. Hey, God is at work in this world, and we feel so blessed that we get to be a part of what He is doing. Have a great day wherever you're at, and we hope to see you soon.